Welcome to I Run Radio. Coming up, trekking across Iceland for a cause. To have that tangible, like, truth where you can kind of know that, like, you can set your mind at something and actually accomplish it. There's such a difference between, like, hearing about something and knowing about it and, like, experiencing it and knowing it as, like, a personal truth. Running as a superhero. I chose Batman because it was... He, he himself is just a simple human. He didn't come from another world or get bitten by a radioactive spider. So it, it really was a parallel for that. Just he trained himself up to be who he was. And I thought that would be something relatable to a lot of people. And how to survive the last hot days of summer. Anything above like 11 degrees Celsius can have a huge impact on uh, how quickly we can finish a run and how we feel during the run. On this edition of I Run Radio, we'll talk to a runner who just completed a trek across Iceland to raise awareness about protecting the highlands there. Also, imagine running a marathon dressed as Batman. We'll talk to a runner who did that for several years, and we'll have some tips for running in the heat and what to eat. Let's get things started now with the editor and general manager of I Run, Ben Kaplan. Hello, Ben. Hey there. How are you doing? Oh, I'm feeling fantastic. Yourself? I'm doing great. And look, here we nice. are. It's the middle of August, and it's still summer. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to start counting down to Labor Day too quickly here, or or ruin anybody's summer vacation, or make it feel like we're almost at the end of summer, or anything like that. Okay, there's still lots of summer left. But what I find interesting at this time of year, from a running perspective, is just how quickly the 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 fall events are approaching. Right, because. The Army Run, for example, here in Ottawa, just around the corner. The Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon is not long after that. And if you're training for those events, you're getting into the sweet spot of your training now. So it does feel like, you know, these things are kind of sneaking up on us a little bit, right? Yeah, and earlier this week in the afternoon, um, I was at the playground over the weekend, of course, with the kids. And it commented, all of us were saying that, like, boy, sweatshirt weather. You know, so it's not, uh, you yeah. know, and what that means, of course, is that the fall race season is coming. Now, I'm doing the Erie Marathon next in Erie, Pennsylvania, and that's September 8th. So I'm now about two weeks out, three weeks out, 21 days for my thing. So I'm uh, I'm really in the teeth of it now, and uh, I'm everything I eat, everything I do, I'm sort of really paying uh, careful attention. And I tell you, it feels really good. I'm enjoying the process, and uh, I'm feeling strong. Yeah, yeah. good for you. I'm, I, I, I expect good things in that marathon. Most of all, Thank I expect you, you to have a good time and enjoy the experience, because that's what it's all about. But I'm sure you're yeah. going to run well as well. Uh, but you're right. I've, I've seen a mixture of, of weather this week. You know, there have been those mornings where I've gone out and you're expecting to get a little bit of cool air when you step outside and you still get that humidity and you get really sweaty really fast, even though it's six o'clock in the morning when you're running. So there's still been some of that summer weather. But there's been that little occasional hint of the coolness that's coming. And you get more of that in August than you do in July, of course. And it always reminds me of when I was a kid. And the first day back to school, you'd go outside and it would feel so much cooler than than any day of the summer. And I don't think it actually was cooler. I think it's just the fact that you're going outside at 8 o'clock in the morning instead of rolling out of bed at 9 o'clock and going outside at 11.30. You're, you're actually going outside at 7.30 or 8 on the, the first day back to school. So that's why it seems so much cooler. Uh, maybe it also was a little bit cooler, but it, it was just that feeling, right, that you would get like, okay, summer's over because now it's cool. 
There were a few hints of that in the last couple of weeks, but I've also I've also felt a lot of humidity. So summer's still going. The thing that's just so great about being a runner is that you're so in touch with the seasons. I mean, I just think really one of my favorite things is that we spend more time outdoors, you know, yep. than just about anybody. And uh, so we're always cognizant of, what, of what's happening. One of the things I can add is I had an interesting experience yesterday. And, you know, I'm running a lot right now because I've got weeks, you know, before my race, like I said. And really what I'm trying to do is I'm running a lot, not to necessarily increase my endurance or anything like that, but just getting just the pain of it, you know, just getting used to it, just going a lot and just getting a little bit stronger and just, you know, running on tired legs and all of that. But by doing that, you know, I'm running so much right now currently that I need a sort of a new thrill, you know, something's got to switch it up. It's like, oh, God, I've killed all the songs on my own. <laughs> I both run without the music, you know, and experience, okay, now I'm going to clear my head and run without. Now I'm going to run with the iPod and listen to music, you know. So I've done all of that stuff a million times. But so yesterday, I know for close listeners of the show, will know sometimes that I first run of the summer with my shirt off just to right. give myself a new thrill. Well, I did that. I'm proud to say I did that. It didn't bother anybody. And it was a variation of, I mean, I said that I said that to my wife, and she's like, well, how do you know that? I mean, nobody threw a tomato at you, but that's not to say, you know, somebody didn't look next to a, their partner while they were having a meal, like, you know, look, honey, look at look at this disgusting Yeah, there may have been or, some people know. who were quietly offended by it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, what? if you're quietly offensive and don't say anything to me, that I don't mind. Yeah. So to you, it hasn't been registered. No, yeah. It didn't, yeah, it has no bearing. But I guess in that sort of weird story the point is and for people <laughs> listening in their own running is that you can do what you have to do to find a thrill to keep yourself going i was like what can i do right now to make you know my ninth run this week interesting you know there's nowhere else am i going to go what am i going to do and i'm going to take my shirt off and i kind of went down the steps am i going to do this am i not i went back up the steps and then i was like no i'm going to own this i'm going to do this and it you know and it worked i was proud of myself i went out there i did it Live to tell the tale. Yeah. So, you should be can't. proud of yourself, Ben. That is a, that big decision to run without a shirt. <laughs> yeah. That took yeah. guts. But you have to do whatever it, well, whatever it takes to get your sneakers on, you know? Exactly. The biggest, yeah. the biggest step is the first one, right? Uh, you know, once you step out the door, you're doing the run. It's, it's, it's getting out the door that's the key, right? So there yeah. you go. These little games that you play with yourself, yep. you know, and I'm, I'm really, I've got my head around it because you know when you're doing the marathon or the half marathon or whatever you're doing, but there comes a time when you're doing it. And I love talking to the elites because they say the same thing, that on their runs, even on their record-breaking runs, there comes a time when they're like, boy, I should really slow down. I don't want, you know, who cares? I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I'm not going to break the record. So what's the difference if I get 214 or 215, you know, where they have, you have to fight that. So somehow in the training, it's like to train yourself also from when those, when the going gets tough, it's very yeah. easy to be like, wah, but you, you know, you got to fight that. So. Yeah. There's always a reason not to do it, but uh, yeah, that's it. Every every time you do is a private little victory. Good stuff, Ben. We will talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Ben Kaplan, iRun's editor and general manager. Coming up next, a long trek across Iceland. The Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon is flat, fast, and festive. And this year, it's celebrating its 30th birthday. On October 20th, join some of Canada's fastest racers and compete for yourself 
on their 5K, half marathon, and marathon course. Register now at torontowaterfrontmarathon.com. Ryan Richardson is a runner and filmmaker. He and his girlfriend Haley Playfair just completed and documented a journey across Iceland to defend and protect the highlands that might be slated for development. Ryan, thank you for joining us. Hey, Mark. Thank you so much for uh, yeah having me today and uh, chatting for a little while. And we've talked to your mom, Leanne, a few times on a show. She's incredible. She's done some amazing ultra marathons and endurance events herself. Uh, so I guess some of that rubbed off on you somewhere along the way. Is that how this all started for you? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, in a way, actually, it's kind of funny. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's a little intimidating, actually, having a, a mom who's like an ultra marathoner. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, her training runs still just make me, I don't think I could ever uh, get out and just spend weekend after weekend just doing training runs with her the length that she does. I mean, she's just an absolute uh, um, legend. That's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it, did, it did end up definitely inspiring uh, us a little bit. I think more just so in unlocking like our potential and just kind of giving us the confidence to believe that, hey, we could probably do something like that too. I mean, if you put in the time, the energy, and you know, get some knowledge behind it, you know, there's no reason that we couldn't do something, uh, you know, maybe kind of comparable to some of the, the ultra races uh, that she takes part in. So it definitely, it did, like, kind of planted that seed and uh, kickstarted it a little bit for us. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things about running, whether you do a 10K or a marathon or an ultra marathon or a multi-day event, is it it really does kind of inspire the idea that things are possible if you put in the effort to prepare for them, that, that you can do something like... Uh, a, a major event, a multi-day event, or or what you did in Iceland, right? Absolutely, and I think like you know now in hindsight, having kind of completed it uh, and knowing like the suffering that we went through, I mean, it, it's something that you you do actually like. I, I understand now why so many people want to share it with people is because it's once you kind of unlock unlock that truth and you kind of get behind. Uh, you know, peek behind the curtain and see that it's so true that when you kind of put your mind to something and you kind of just go all in, like it really is like everything's kind of just there, just waiting for, you know, you to take it. So it's really cool to see it first through my mom or and then to actually kind of see that it is true that you really can accomplish, you know, what you put your mind to if you really just push through. So what inspired you to do this? Uh, I gather the story starts with the fact that there is a, a part of Iceland, the highlands of Iceland. I don't know the, the geography there very well. It's not, a, it's not a country we talk about a lot. It's, a, it's not a very populous place, but there's an area that's being developed for the first time, and you wanted to draw attention to that, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So we've been super fortunate. Uh, myself and my partner, Haley, uh, we both uh, own and operate our own production studio. So we travel around the world to really remote, uh, wild places, and we kind of get to see uh, and compare different wilderness areas to different wilderness areas. And, uh, like, Iceland is really cool because it has basically this really huge impact block of wilderness that has never been developed. It's completely pristine, and it's really unlike anything. I mean, compared to whether you go all the way north, it's way deep into the Arctic and Scandinavia, uh, you go, you know, into the hills in New Zealand, you go, it doesn't really matter where you go, it's not really comparable, there's very few wilderness areas uh, left that are kind of resemble um, an intact block like Iceland, so the highlands have, you know, I mean, ever since it's been, Iceland's been developed, nobody's ever developed, you know, inland in any way, so most of the development and everything is right on the coast of Iceland, and then anything pushed inland is only even accessible 
two months out of the year because it's just basically always uh, either completely covered with snow and completely inaccessible and there's just no reason for anyone to be there or it's in the spring the rivers are I mean there's river veins absolutely everywhere just covering the entire inland country and it basically just makes it absolutely impossible to access anywhere so there's two seasons in the summer or there's two uh, months in the summer season where you can actually access the highlands and you can see what's there you know over the rest of the year and you can kind of get a glimpse of what it might look like for the rest of the year so it's a really cool place and Haley and I had been there uh, a couple times for for different whether it's passion trips or assignments and uh, it's a place that we've always just been in awe of so when we found out about the highland initiative to actually set up a national park there and protect all 40,000 square feet of it, um, sorry, square kilometers of it. Uh, we were really inspired by that and kind of wanted to just get as involved as we could be. And we kind of just contacted the guys who were organizing this initiative and trying to set up this national park. And we said, hey, if, you know, if, if media could help in any way, if we could arm you guys with a little bit of visual content, if we can make a story here, anything we could do to help and use our skills, um, we would love to basically do everything that we can. And uh, kind of arm you guys and equip you guys with everything that you need to, you know, hopefully accomplish this goal. So what was the journey like across, uh, was more than 400 kilometers that you traveled across the highlands of Iceland, right? Yeah, and uh, I mean, it was incredible. I mean, at first we didn't know it was going to be over 400 kilometers. Uh, it ended up being, we finished as about 420 kilometers from uh, coast to coast. And uh, we were anticipating it being closer to about 230, which is almost uh, entirely in half. So the first day that we got our feet on the ground, we had mapped out everything on Google Earth because there's basically, there's no, we didn't take like an established route or a track that basically, you know, already existed. We kind of mapped out uh, some key areas we wanted to hit and then just basically made a route based off of those areas where we want to start, you know, finish, and, and then there's some highlights in between. So it was a completely custom route, and, uh, you know, and people walked, for, you know, sections of it, basically, in little day hikes, and but we just connected, like, this network of trails. And um, we couldn't get any information on it at all. I mean, nobody really knew. Some of the areas we were going to, it was, like, very, very, very remote. So there's no maps. I mean, we even got to Iceland, and we are you know, we went to the map store and uh, they had, you know, 12 different maps of the highlands and like literally all 12 of them circled around like the area of the highlands that we were going through, but not the actual area that like we needed. It was literally all the way around it and then not right in the middle. And we're like, we're going straight through the middle. We need a map here. Um, so it was kind of funny because we didn't have any information really. So the information we did have was off of Google Earth. Um, and then Google Earth, I don't know if the way it transfers, the first time we've done anything quite like this. So I don't know if the tracks just didn't transfer the right way, if it was like, um, if the satellite was just so much off, uh, you know, from like actual feet on ground and being there with the elevation, the little turns. And I don't know how accurate it is. All I know is that we got there and our first waypoint was supposed to be approximately 42 kilometers in. And we're like, okay, well, we'll walk 42K, we'll set up our first camp. And then we'll call it a day and then start day two. And then so we walked 42 kilometers, according to our Garmin inReach. Uh, and then we looked at the, the waypoint on the map and we're like, we're not even halfway there. Like we're still, you know, we still have, according to this, another 42 kilometers to go before we even get to where we thought our first 
base was going to be. And then so the second day, the, the same thing happened. We, we ended up only at our first waypoint. So we're like, okay, this is really off. We're probably, we've probably completely underestimated this, uh, it was, which changed everything because we only had so much food with us. Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, it basically doubled our expectations. And I mean, even at first, I don't think if we had known it was 420 kilometers, I think we would have looked at it and said that's, that's too much. You know, like I think um, it would have been too monstrous for us uh, we would have just, you know, said, let's do something. Let's let's think of something else, right? Like, yeah. Um, so, Ryan, what do you what do you take happened. away from that? Because obviously, you had to adapt, and uh, and what 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 lessons did you learn from the experience? Obviously, you wanted to draw people's attention, and your and and the video you shot and so on is is gonna is gonna be about advocating for the Highlands. But what did you take away from the experience of doing this? Yeah, definitely. The goal is for sure is definitely to get as much eyes on, on what's happening in the, the Icelandic Highlands for sure. And so, and that's what the video is for and everything. But I mean, there's of course so many personal takeaways because I mean, it's just such a journey for, you know, both Haley and I to experience this thing, um, especially from pretty much going from, uh, you know, we had never run a marathon or run an ultra or anything like that. And, and of course, we did a lot of training leading up to it and a ton of running and, um, you know, multi day backpacking just to kind of get in preparation. But it was it was the first time we'd ever done anything you know even close to that so it was a huge you know monster to kind of take on uh and the takeaways i mean like there's there's so many but it was just to have that tangible like truth where you can kind of know that like you can set your mind to something and actually accomplish it uh and it's like one of those things that like i'm sure it's just like it's over said and it's just like you know i'm sure everyone hears about it on Goalcast, and you know everyone sees it on their facebook every single day but it's like there's such a difference between like hearing about something and knowing about it and like experience it and knowing it as like a personal truth and so it was so cool to be like you know even just coming from that and just some of the other objectives whether they're small or big now that we're home it's just like things just seem so much more attainable uh which is cool because i think it just transfers over into that like personal day-to-day life whether you know you're doing something monstrous like you know it doesn't necessarily have to be like climbing the biggest mountain but you know sometimes it's just something uh, really mundane. It's just like, but you, you know, you can give it so much more than you think that you, you know, were previously able to. Now, I understand in preparation for this, you, uh, you actually ran the East Coast Trail, a big chunk of that in Newfoundland. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, that was, that ended up being super critical for training, not so much in like a physicality way. Like, I think that like physically, there's always so much training you could do. Uh, for, you know, something like in Iceland, like it really comes down to, you know, it's the classic like mental, you know, thing like you're either going to kind of do it or not. Like I think there's just kind of a switch that has to go off in your head. Um, so at some point, I mean, as, as long as you're able body, like I think it's just, it almost just comes down to your, you know, your mental strength. Uh, and having your reasons of why you're going to finish it. But having done the East Coast Trail, planning for food was the, a huge thing because we didn't know like what our, you know, how much energy we'd be going through, how much food we would need day to day, and what that would look like. So it was really, it was nice to go do a dry run in the East Coast Trail where every day you basically, uh, or almost every day, you go through a small town. So it's like if you do, if you didn't pack enough, you know, you could go and you can stop at a gas station and, you know, grab some Oreos and chips and kind of get your, you know, your dirty fix of dirty food and, and carb load and everything. Whereas, you know, in Iceland, of course, once we got there, that option was completely taken away from us. We were, you know, completely remote and, and that we wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, as soon as we started, we were basically, that's it until you finish. So, 
um, it was nice to kind of dial in nutrition, to just dial in everything that we were going to take, test our equipment, make sure everything was going to be totally bomb-proof by the time we got to Iceland, uh, work out like our safety systems, you know, how, how our garment inReach is going to work, how it's tracking mileage. And, and so it was really critical to have that dry run. Um, I don't think we would have been as successful without it. And it must have been very scenic as well, running the East Coast Trail. Uh, the East Coast Trail is like, uh, it's, it's honestly, I mean, we've been to, you know, places in Norway where it's like you have to go so far uh, and travel, you know, it's like to the other end of the world to experience like the views that we have in our own backyard. And yeah. it's just like you're hiking these trails. You're completely alone in wilderness. Like there's moose tracks everywhere. Like there's bears, wolves, like coyotes. Uh, you know, you're walking next to the coast and you're watching, like, we saw a mink whale, we saw icebergs, we saw, uh, it was just, like, endless scenery. I mean, and it's, you know, for photographers and filmmakers, too, I mean, obviously our, uh, you know, we were just going crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was really cool. Right on. Well, th- this only scratches the surface, Ryan, but it's such an incredible story and so powerful that you went and did this and the and the purpose behind it. Uh, congratulations, and, and thank you so much for joining us on iRun Radio. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it, Mark. So, yeah, the documentary that's going to come out is called North of Boundaries, so we're going to be releasing it this fall, so definitely uh, we'll, we'll have to keep our eyes open. We'll, keep, we'll let you yeah. guys know when, that's, uh, when we get a release date for that or premiere. Right on. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Perfect. Thank you so much. Ryan Richardson is a runner and filmmaker. Coming up next, running marathons dressed as Batman. The Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon is flat, fast, and festive. And this year, it's celebrating its 30th birthday. On October 20th, join some of Canada's fastest racers and compete for yourself on their 5K, half marathon, and marathon course. Register now at torontowaterfrontmarathon.com. For several years, J.P. Hernandez ran marathons dressed as Batman. He did it to raise money for Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto. That's a facility with which he has a very special connection. J.P., thank you for joining us on iRun Radio. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Mark. Really, really, really great to get to talk to you. So tell me a little bit about how you ended up running as Batman, as uh, one of the superheroes in, uh, in some events in the Toronto area. Uh, it all begins when I was seven, and I will make a very long story short, but when I was seven years old, I was uh, diagnosed with a very bad case of um, uh, um, appendicitis. It actually ruptured one night, uh, and my, my father, my parents, they drove me to Sick Kids Hospital, and, you know, as any parent would, and they saved my life at the hospital. But my experiences were of a joyful stay, uh, I was blown away by the hospitality and the care that the staff gave me, and it really stayed with me for a number of years. So fast forward to when I get to my mid-30s and I'm deciding to run my first marathon, and I wanted to get back, but I wanted to do it with my own unique blend, uh, like a little bit of me. So as a comic book uh, movie lover, I decided, sure, well, I'll, I'll just get in a costume and, uh, and run for for sick kids, and I really never thought it would be what it ended up becoming, which was, um, you know, I, I was expecting it to be more of one-and-done kind of thing, but the, the niche of it was so popular that I was asked by uh, the race organizers to, to come back and represent in uh, uh, 10K the following spring. So it's, it, it came to that. It was beyond my wildest expectations. 
Wow. So 25, 30 years later, you still remembered what happened to you when you were a child and wanted to give back. I do, yeah. It, it was because of the, as I mentioned, the, the wonderful care and dedication that the doctors and nurses and the staff at Sick Kids had in the early 80s. And, and it was just left a last, last impression on me. And I really, really wanted to, to do something for them. I mean, I had in the 90s, you know, called in for their, uh, their telephone that they had over the on TV. But it never really felt like it was a personal touch. It was, you know, just there you go, you donate some money. But I wanted to do a unique spin on it. So this was my way of saying, of saying thank you. Thank you for saving my life. Thank you for allowing me to, to have a life. Yeah, that's amazing. And so what kind of reaction did you get when you ran as Batman? Well, I'll tell you, it was, uh, it was really nerve-wracking walking down um, a little side street uh, north of Wing Street, getting to the start line and just the stairs and stuff like that. But <laughs> as the race began, um, it, it was more than I expected. It just the people, you know, shouting your name, who you are, that was the point of it for me. It was, I, I'm a big of many superheroes. I mean, I grew up being a big fan of the Christopher Reeve Superman films, but I chose Batman because it was... He, he himself is just a simple human. He didn't come from another world or get bitten by a radioactive spider, so it, it really was a parallel for that. Just He trained himself up to be who he was, and I thought that would be something relatable to a lot of people. You know, he's, he trained himself to be a martial artist and a criminologist and all whatnot. I paralleled to that in a sense of, like, I wanted to be relatable, and I think that's why Batman is so popular. That's a really interesting point, because Batman is human, and he, he is a superhero, but he's not a superhuman. He's not uh, from another planet and, and or anything like that. So what you're saying, ultimately, is that Batman is kind of uh, the equivalent of somebody who starts from nothing and then trains for a marathon or an Ironman or something like that. Exactly that, and, and I think that's why the character is so popular, uh, excuse me, popular, and, and people can, you know, in a sense relate to that. And that's what I took in my training for my first, my first marathon. Uh, so the reaction, just getting back to your question, the reaction from people was just overwhelmingly positive and, and mind-blowing how, you know, people are cheering on, go, Batman, go. And I think more importantly for me personally was just the kids that I saw along the course and, and some just, you know, the jaws dropping to the ground and seeing like this costume uh, hero uh, in front of them is, is something I can definitely relate to. I was pretty much them when I was their ages uh, many, many years ago. So it was really, really cool to see. Um, and that's why it was it was very uh, humbling to be asked by the race organizers to come back to do the same thing. And then lo and behold, we had uh, people reach out to, to me to create a team, which, again, like I said, this, this was just like, what is happening here? <laughs> I was taken back by the, the positive response. So it was, it's truly a very special, has a special, a special place in my heart, uh, those, uh, those interactions and meeting new friends eventually, people who become my best friends now. So eventually you ended up running as, with a group of people who were dressed as superheroes, right? That's correct. So it ended up becoming something called the Justice League Runners, where we had people dressed up as Superman, Green Lantern, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, uh, it was it was just like pinching me. It just really happened, <laughs> um, and it's something so cool to see. And we made it a point that for what we did, we still wanted to be obviously. I mean, the, the, the symbols that you see of costume heroes represent something to so many people. 
and they inspire people. They inspire good. And, uh, you know, to be able to be a group of eight people that first time in 2014, running with, like, people back in the pack, people who are probably doing their first 10K or coming back to running, just it was so positive to see and, and so inspiring to see people say, hey, you know what, seeing you guys, you lifted me up. Thank you for being around. You, you connect. And for many years now, running has been such a community, especially here in Toronto. I, I have always seen it that way, and it was never more so emphasized than in those races, for sure. So what's it like running a marathon in a Batman costume? Describe the costume and, and how, does it, uh, how does it feel to be running in it? Well, it, it was consisted mostly of a, um, uh, a compression outfit that I bought. So it was, um, fortunately, it all kind of worked out. The stars aligned themselves very well to find like a matching gray and uh, top and bottom. So that helped, especially with marathons, when your muscles are, as, as you would know, Mark, marathons can really wreck your, wreck havoc on your body and your sore everywhere. So to have a compression suit on really helped alleviate some of that. Uh, but the question I get asked the most was, I got was asked the most was, how was it in that mask? It yeah. was a full rubber mask. <laughs> Um, I really, really wanted to play the part and play the role. Um, not something I definitely recommend. <laughs> it's uh, not forgiving, that's for sure. It, it, but it was something, again, you, for me, I took it where I, I looked at whom I was racing for or raising funds for. I would suffer for about five hours running a marathon. And it's certainly like in you know, my entire costume, especially the, the cowl on my head, was not forgiving. But then again, I looked at it from a perspective of like, well, I get to recover. And those whom I'm running for may not be as lucky. So that was how I had to tell myself, you know what, it could be a lot worse. And I'm fortunate that, again, being saved by the doctors and nurses that sick kids so many years ago, I was given that chance. I, I really tried to do my, my best to not complain about my circumstances of wearing that thing uh, because I thought, you know what, I, I'm lucky. I need to really just keep that in mind and and pursue it that way as I ran over 42.2 kilometers. That's a great perspective, but uh, you must have there, there must have been a lot of sweat under that mask, right? I mean, you're you would get hot under there. <laughs> uh, I can tell you, there's no Febreze in the world that works to get that stink out. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, it was very very hot. I remember, uh, yeah, basically, um, you know pool of sweat would kind of just kind of sit there and yeah, I mean it's, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't fun but it was it was fun you know it's uh, how many I, I looked at it where how many times can I say that you know, how many people in the world can say they, they ran a marathon dressed up as one of the rest, most recognizable superheroes in the whole world and I had a great phase of my life that I was able to say that and I did it for five years uh, and I met friends from it and I saw a lot of friends uh, daring to, to be the same way, you know, people who really went to the extremes with their costume and it was like, wow, this is, this is why heroes are so valid. This is why superheroes are, especially now in this day and age and in, in the state of the world, this is why they hold such a, uh, people hold them in such high regard, even if they are fictional. I, I've been inspired more by fictional characters uh, than anything else in my whole life. And it's just an honor to have been able to do what I could do for others. 
And I think one of the powerful things about your story is that you just sort of took this step. You you started out with this really great intention of helping the hospital that helped you, that saved your life. Uh, you took a step. You did something creative with it, and it sort of snowballed from there in ways that you didn't even expect. Exactly that. I, I as I mentioned, my, my first race, I was just going to be a, a one and done, and um, you know it was going to be like, okay, that's a great way to do it, and then. To, ask, to be asked to come back to help other people or continue to, to do something for other races was like, wow, really? Um, it was, it, thank you. It was, it's been an honor for me. I mean, even more so, the biggest honor I have is that I had met, I met more people who wanted to do the same thing as well. And you saw people who ended up coming on board, being dressed as uh, Batwoman, Batgirl, um, Thor. Uh, you know, I wish, I wish we had a way of expanding it more to have a whole plethora of people. I remember the 2016 uh, Waterfront 10K was probably the biggest group we had. It was about maybe close to 20 people dressed up as various superheroes. I, I was blown away by that. I'm like, that is, it really, I need someone to pinch me right now because every year was so, so uplifting. Well, it's a very inspiring story, JP. Congratulations for what you've done, and the best of luck as you continue running. I know you're doing triathlons now as well. Uh, all the best in that, and thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me today, Mark. That's JP Hernandez, who for five years ran the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon dressed as Batman. And here's an interesting footnote to that story. JP has actually gone back to school to work in the healthcare field because he wants to help more people. He was so inspired by the experience of running as Batman and from his own backstory of having been a patient at Sick Kids and raising money for them that he wanted to work in that area. So best of luck to JP going forward. Coming up next, some tips on nutrition and hydration for running in the summer heat. The Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon is flat, fast, and festive. And this year, it's celebrating its 30th birthday. On October 20th, join some of Canada's fastest racers and compete for yourself on their 5K, half marathon, and marathon course. Register now at torontowaterfrontmarathon.com. Ben and I were chatting earlier about the weather. There are still many hot days to come this summer, so we have some tips for you with Ashley Leon, who is a registered dietitian with Gazelle Nutrition Lab in Toronto and contributes to iRun. Ashley, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. And, you know, I went for a run the other day on a very humid day, and I just felt like all of my energy was sapped out of me by the heat and humidity, the temperature and the humidity can have a real impact on running performance, can't they? The temperature and humidity can have a huge impact on running performance. And I think uh, a lot of runners realize this early in the season, but uh, don't have a good perception of it later in the season. Anything above like 11 degrees Celsius can have a huge impact on uh, how quickly we can finish a run and how we feel during the run. So as little as 12 degrees or 15 degrees could be having an impact on your performance. Absolutely, particularly if it's humid uh, outside, um, then our ability to to sweat and to adapt to the heat is um, uh, much more, uh, we have much more difficulty, so uh, this can impair our ability to perform at our best. 
Okay, so what can we do about it using nutrition and hydration? What are our options? Uh, apart from the very best option is to acclimatize to the heat, so to uh, increase your your time in the heat uh, sequentially over a period of a couple weeks. But nutrition-wise, hydration is number one. So ensuring that you're drinking regularly throughout the day. And that prior to going out for a run, within a couple hours of the run, you're at least having uh, a couple cups of water uh, and hydrating well. So you're starting the run in a hydrated state. And you mentioned staying hydrated throughout the day. I think that's something that people forget. They may have a glass of water before they go for a run, or they may have a glass of water as soon as they get back from a run, but you really need to be focusing on it, especially in the warmer summer weather, all day long, right? Absolutely. You need to be carrying a water bottle with you, sipping the water throughout the day, realizing that our body can only really absorb about a liter of water in an hour. So uh, if you're not drinking regularly throughout the day, you can't make up for it just before you go to bed by drinking a couple liters of water. You need to drink regularly, sip throughout the day, drink to thirst, uh, so not overhydrating, but being uh, cognizant of regularly drinking. Yeah, and you, uh, you you don't want to overdo it, obviously, uh, but as you say, it's not like you can cram the, the uh, hydration no. in at the last minute. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So... Uh, when you're when you're a runner, um, being absolutely sure that you're drinking before the run. If it's a long duration run, uh, usually I suggest if your run's an hour or more, ensuring you have, if not carrying water, you have access to water en route, and that you're hydrating well after the run to replace your body weight loss. And does it come down to how much you sweat? Is if you're if you're someone who sweats a lot, do you have to pay particular attention? You do. So you can lose anywhere between about uh, 300 mils to two and a half liters of water uh, during per hour during a run, depending on how much you sweat. And the more you sweat, the more you need to replenish. Uh, and if you're someone who actually sweats and sweats with a lot of salt, you also need to think about uh, drinking something that contains salt as well while you're while you're running and after. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Uh, what, what what happens when we sweat, uh, and how much salt do we need in our bodies, and how do we manage that? It's very individual. Uh, so some people are what we call salty sweaters, and these are people who, when they come back from a run and they're wearing dark colored clothes, their their clothes will actually have sweat marks on or salt marks on the clothes. So. If this is you, then you know that uh, you need to pay more attention to having salt in your beverages when you're running uh, and after you run. Um, for most people, if you're exercising for less than an hour, you probably don't need any salt in your beverage. If you're exercising for longer than an hour, a uh, sports drink can be helpful. And um, if you're sweating profusely during the run to ensure that you're not limiting your salt after the run. And so what beverages uh, have salt in them that are, that are a good idea to drink? Uh, because I know some people are turned off by the, the sugary sports drinks that, are, uh, that, you know, that, are, that have a lot of calories in them, and they don't want to necessarily be drinking a lot of those. So what are some options? You have some options. So apart from 
from the regular sports drinks. You can make your own sports drink. And there you would mix about one part water with one part juice and a dash of salt. If you want to have a drink that doesn't contain carbohydrates, you can add a pinch of salt uh, to your water bottle. Um, and you can also buy um, electrolyte tablets that uh, are lower in carbohydrate that do have electrolytes within them um, that can replenish your salt needs, but also your magnesium, your calcium, your potassium needs as well. All right. And what about from a food and nutrition point of view? What what are the foods that uh, we should be eating? What should we be thinking about when it comes to nutrition when we're running in the heat? For nutrition in the heat, it's not on, for, for general healthy eating, it's not unlike um, eating year-round. Uh, so including uh, a good range of foods is important. Um, in the heat, we do uh, use a little bit more of our, our electrolytes, like, say, potassium and magnesium. So be sure that you have um, adequate amounts of fruits and vegetables, for example, in your diet. Um, adequate sources of calcium in your diet uh, are important. Um, but from a nutrition perspective, before you go for a run, it's, as I said before, it's the hydration that is the, the primary focus. But you wrote uh, in in your post for Iron, you wrote about how you need more carbs in the heat. Is that right? Absolutely, absolutely. That's a, that's an excellent point. So during the run, um, your um, your body utilizes carbohydrates more quickly than it does um, during the heat. I should say, it carbohydrates more quickly than it would in a, a temperate or cooler condition. Uh, so. Your needs for carbs are, um, uh, it's important for you to ensure that you're meeting your needs for carbohydrates during your run for this, for this purpose, um, particularly on your longer runs because the chances of you depleting your glycogen stores is greater in the heat than it would be if you're going for a long run in a cooler temperature. So ensuring that you're taking uh, carbohydrates to replenish about 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrates an hour during a long run lasting more than one to one and a half hours. So it sounds like we consume more energy, we burn more energy when we're running in the heat. Is that right? Your your carbohydrate needs are similar, um, but it's more important to ensure that you're meeting your carbohydrate needs right. during this time um, because you may not have as much glycogen uh, in there to replete, replete your needs if you're not keeping up with them, uh, your needs by mouth. So yes, you do burn a little bit more energy because you're trying to keep your core body temperature down. So do you like running when it's hot, Ashley? I prefer running in cooler temperatures, <laughs> but I do, um, uh, running in the heat gives you certain adaptations that are useful for training. So I do enjoy that. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier one of the things to do is to acclimatize yourself, so gradually run more and more in the warm conditions rather than kind of jump into the deep end, right? Exactly, and particularly run to effort. So um, ensuring that you're not um, right out of the gate uh, running a, having an intense training session on, on the first day of heat. Yeah, and that's a great point as well. If you've got a workout that's been prescribed for you or you're following a plan or something like that, and it says to run 10K in a certain time and it's 30 degrees with a humidex of 38, maybe you're not going to run that time. You need to, you need to feel uh, like you're, you're uh, carrying out a tough workout and that you're doing it at the effort level that would, might, uh, might match that run under different conditions, right? 
Absolutely. So running, uh, uh, being cognizant of how you feel and running to effort, or even better, switching the workout for a cooler day during the week and having a, a steady state run on that day instead. Right on. Well, it's great to talk to you, Ashley. Thank you for all this great advice. Thanks for being on the show with us. Thanks so much, Mark. Good to talk to you. That's Ashley Leone, a runner and registered dietitian. Coming up in the weeks ahead on iRun Radio, more on the historic kilt run in Perth, Ontario. And we'll talk to an inspiring runner who left behind a party lifestyle and lost a lot of weight. I hope you can join us next week on iRun Radio. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.